I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. This series of podcasts is aimed at financial planning professionals and also those who are looking to enter the financial planning profession. We will be talking during the podcast about all things Certified Financial Planner certification related, talking to other CFPs around the world, and also we will be dropping in on some new entrants who've just entered the financial planning profession, and we'll be checking up along the way on a regular basis with them to see how they're getting on. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome, I'm Jackie Lucky, your financial planning maestro. And in today's podcast, we are talking about all things female related, uh, female financial planning related, should I say, uh, about the CFP, about starting your own business, about if females make great financial planners, all of those sorts of things. And I'm joined by a very special guest, and that is Louise Oliver from Persfield Oliver, who is a chartered CISI financial planning firm. Hello, Louise. Hello, Jackie. (laughs) Thanks for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. We've got lots and lots of things to talk about. So I'm going to dive straight in um, and ask you, just give us a bit of background about you and how you got into the financial planning profession. So Jackie, like most people, I fell into financial services. Yep. Um, having chatted to many of uh, my peers and and colleagues throughout the years, it seems to be quite a theme, really. So... um, To cut a long story short, I left school when I was 16 and uh, my first job was with a company called Scottish Amicable. They were subsequently bought by The Proof, for those of us who aren't of the same age as me, who can remember it. I can remember Um, that. And um, yes, so uh, I started off, um, you know, at the beginning, learning from um, the bottom up. It was an amazing company to work for and they really supported me and sponsored me through my learning and subsequently exams. So actually, that that's where it all started. I never thought that I'd end up in financial services. When I was at school, Jackie, girls were expected to be either an air hostess, or if you were lucky, or a receptionist. Um, we all did RSA typing and shorthand, um, and that, that was it, really. You were destined to be... A secretary, not not undermining that, because actually we all need amazing secretaries, male or female. But that was that was the nature of it. So um, that's where it all started, Jackie, wow. by yeah. career in financial services. <laughs> and so, when did you make the transition from Scottish Amicable to be actually giving advice? Yeah. Okay. So I worked with the um, some corporates for quite a few years, actually, and it's always good to learn about a profession with, I feel, a, a big corporate. It certainly was in those days. And then, um, so I worked with Scottish Amicable, Eagle Star, uh, and eventually in. 1997 I decided that I'd like to work for myself you know that leap of faith uh, that you take people say you're mad why are you (laughs) going to start your own business you've got a good salary and a company car and benefits and a pension and you're going to risk all of that to work for yourself and um and I did I did and one of the catalysts for me doing that Jackie well there are two catalysts really one of them was I wanted to be more in control of my destiny rather than be dictated to by 
life insurance companies that I was working for with targets and and their own sort of mandate. That was the first driver. And secondly, I'd had my first son, Tom, and I wanted a little bit more of a balance in my life as well. I soon mm. realised that running your own business, you get less of a balance in your life, but hey-ho. <laughs> um, so so that's where it all started, um, uh, working for myself. Uh, yes, I was under the umbrella of another firm at the time, um, but self-employed and, and, and bringing on my own, my own clients at that time. And how, how did you go about, you know, building your business, you kind of starting it? Because it's it must be, you know, there's so many hoops to jump through, aren't there? You know, obviously you've got the the registration with the regulator, but you've got all the compliance and software and everything else. You know, did you, I'm, you know, knowing you as I do, I'm sure you probably made a, a huge plan of what was going to happen. Yeah, so I worked under the umbrella of um, of an existing financial planning firm. And obviously by doing that, I was able to, tap into their compliance, their administration, and um, they had a lovely office too. So I was able to invite my clients in. So that gave me um, a really good start. What I did was surround myself with positive people that were on my journey. So having been in financial services for many years by then, I knew um, you know, a lot of professional people, lawyers and accountants, and, and I had a really good um, network base and they supported me they supported me in my business um referred um people to me who thought that they would benefit from from my services uh financial planning services so that that that's how i did it and really i would recommend anyone who's starting any kind of a business to make sure that they do you know have that positive network the people that are on your on your journey that that share in your ambition and goals and, and have that same drive so that that's that's how I, how I made it work for me mm, yeah that's really interesting and did it did going through that process help you you know refine your business the types of clients that you wanted to seek moving forward or you know I hear lots of stories certainly when I was doing my training to be a financial advisor many moons ago as well that you know some of the guys used to say to me basically if you could Mr Mero you're a client. <laughs> yeah uh, when you first start in business if um, if a client comes along and they've got a pulse you tend to take them on <laughs> and that uh, you soon learn Jackie and you know this as well you're a business person and um, that's not the right thing to do ultimately because sometimes you're not right for each other. It work, works both ways. Um, so it's finding out who who you can add value to, who you enjoy working with most importantly because if you enjoy that journey, that means you and the client, then you're more likely to have a positive outcome and make a difference. So it's thinking about that and, and I suppose it took me a few years to learn that to learn that lesson. And to um, only work with people that are a right fit for you and your business. And and now that's what we do. So at Piercefield Oliver, we make sure that we have that good working relationship with all of the clients and the families and the individuals that we look after. Because uh, then it's not like work. I love what I do. And I think partly that's due to the fact that we do work with some, with some wonderful people. Yes, you can think that you're missing out on opportunities 
you think, oh, you know, this would be a wonderful, perfect client on paper, but actually in reality, they can become a rod for your back if 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 it's not a perfect fit. So mm. um, yeah, lesson learned on that one. Yeah. And I read somewhere the other day that when they were saying, suggesting that if you weren't annoying to some people or weren't put off by some people, actually you weren't doing the right job because you can't be all things to all people, can you? Of course you can't. And that's why it's good to build a team with different strengths and weaknesses. So some people might like to work with me. Uh, Other people might think I'm a bit of an old fart now at 57 and perhaps might prefer to work with uh, Matt, who's a financial planner in our team, who's in his late 20s. So it's, it's um, I think, to build that multidisciplinary, multi-personality in your practice, which, of course, we've latterly been able to do and continue to do, does mean that perhaps you can take on different personalities to, um, to suit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And so during doing all of that, you came across the CFP um, and became a certified financial planner yourself as well. Tell us about how that popped up on your radar and why you decided to do that too. Yeah, it was about, I think, two, I was trying to think about this, Jack. I think it's 2003, four. Um, I met Julie Lord. And Julie, as you know, is one of the founders of the uh, IFP back in the day. And um, she said, Lou, you know, really, you ought to go to an IFP um, annual conference and just see what you think. Well, of course I did. And then I realized that the the people that were members of the IFP were a very special group. I wanted to be involved with that. Um, high ethics and values, really putting the client at the heart of, of, of what they do. Not that we didn't already, but this was a real sort of focus and um a mind shift with regards to moving and migrating our business from a transactional, more product-focused business and strategy to looking at mentoring people through their life changes and financial planning and guiding them to achieve what they want to achieve in life and also getting them to understand what that might be. So yes, it was um, it was a real sort of uh, eye opener for for me. And did you kind of bounce straight into the CFP straight away, or I guess you you took some time to get to know the people and attend the conferences first before thinking, right, I'm going to embark on this process. Jackie, yeah, I attended one conference and then just got on with it because <laughs> I I just felt that um, I needed to have that in my armory to be able to share it with the clients that I was already working with and of course new clients that I would bring on subsequently so I, I just um I just got stuck in with it really and I went on um on a one a week's course to focus on just to focus on that took me out of the office so that I could literally um get my CFP underway so yeah and it's something that I value uh, to this day I think going through that learning process um is really um helped us to think about what it is we actually do for our clients it isn't just about products not just yes we do products we do investing of course we do all of that but the feedback and the lovely comments messages that we've had from our clients over the years have all been to do with you know you made that happen you helped us understand that we could do that and and we're doing it and and thank you and 
very rarely do people say, oh, you know, my funds have gone up by X percent this year or thanks for managing them carefully during a difficult time, you know, which we've, we're going through currently and have been going through. Yes, they do say that, but it's more about them and their lives and um, taking the fear away. In fact, we've recorded some um, videos and podcasts with clients on our website that actually that those are the words that they use. So hopefully yeah. we can continue. We will continue to do that. Yeah, and it's they're very powerful messages, aren't they, to come from the clients directly, that that's what they feel, that it's not it's not really about the money, is it? It's about getting them to where they want to go and finding out where they want to go. And I guess you have probably seen numerous clients and families over the years who perhaps aren't always 100% certain about where they want to go and and maybe financial planning has been able to give them that clarity. Yeah, it gives them the space to think about it. So when we meet with them, and we still often meet with clients in the office, and um, it's getting them to really have a think about what it is that they want to do. And often they're just totally focused on running their businesses or whatever their day job is or looking after family and they don't give themselves that time to think about it and what we create as financial planners is that time and we also help them because we're now skilled with the questioning and looking at financial life checkups that we do with our clients just to encourage them to um, have a think about things they might never have thought about so yeah, it's it's, um, it's really rewarding, Jackie. Mm. And that sounds really interesting. Tell me more about the financial life checkups that you do. Okay, so when we meet clients, um, usually um, it's for the second meeting um, when they've decided that they'd like to work with us. We have um, a, a checkup, a financial life checkup. And what that does is it's asking them on a scale of unsatisfactory to delighted as to how they feel about different areas in their lives. And it might be um, how much they save on a regular basis. It might be their spending habits. It might be charitable giving. It might be their retirement nest egg. It might be um, uh, inheritance tax planning and um you know the time that they have with their families or, or that sort of thing. So it's it's encouraging them to have a think about how they feel about those areas in their lives. And if we have a couple um, it, that we're meeting with, they it's exam conditions, they have to do individual um, questionnaires. And it's quite striking sometimes how different the answers can be. Because often, you know, as you know, you get one side of a couple who is involved more in the finances than the than the other and therefore you get this disparity in in the knowledge and the understanding so um it can be really powerful that so we run that with all of our uh, new clients that come through and then we review it of course as we go on to see whether those areas have improved and they feel more empowered and more in control on the areas perhaps they scored scored low on so this is this is more about their finances than their uh, life intentions which is something else that we do subsequent to that as well Mm. and that's really interesting and I guess you know that dynamic that you mentioned there where you've got you know potentially a couple where one perhaps isn't as heavily involved in the finances as the other and actually you know that's a great way isn't it to be able to draw out you know, the thoughts and the worries from that, you know, potentially quieter client. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Jackie, because sometimes you will get one person to, I don't want to use the word control, but would be happier to speak in the meeting. And um, it does eke out what the other one's feeling. And it's very important to do that and to get them talking about money because people don't talk about money often. And couples sometimes don't. So it actually starts that process, which is um, really healthy to do that. Yeah, it is. It is very healthy. And then you talk to them about their life goals and their aspirations and does that that come second after their uh, their financial life checkup yeah it's, it does it's, it's um you know we don't overwhelm um in uh one meeting it would it would come during the you know the initial stages of us working with um an individual or a couple and it's that we i mean there's a list of areas to prompt them and it's thinking about what it is these are the softer facts what it is that they want to do in their life what what sort of lights their fire um aspirations whether they want to create something uh it might be a creator of beauty we had one lady who wanted to you know make a just a beautiful garden you know it, it, we had another person who wanted to write a novel um, and didn't have the time. She subsequently created the time and she had her book published. So uh, sometimes people need permission to be able to have that time to themselves to do to do what they want to do. Yeah. And we can show them that, you know, it's not all about money. Sometimes <laughs> it's just realising what it is that you, you know, you want to do. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, you know, the money is just the means to help you get there, you know, to be able to stop work early or to take some time off to write a book or to reduce your hours at work or something like that, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's all it is. But I think a lot of people kind of get hung up on that the, the money is the thing. Yeah, totally. Mm. It's energy. We, we, you know, we, we refer to money as energy and it's what you do with it that, um, that makes the difference. There's no point in it just growing on a balance sheet, an investment portfolio, that we don't know what our job is if it just keeps going, you know, growing over the years, which which funds investors do over time. Um, it's, it's, you know, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, yeah. Make some use of it to, to get what you want out of life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit wider now about the general financial planning profession. Um, because certainly in in my day, when I started in the profession, I went to my first IFP conference in 1999. And I think there were three other women uh, in the room. Um, and that was it. Uh, 350 guys and about three women. So tell us about your experience, um, you know, coming, growing up in the profession, as you did, um, as a financial planner. And, you know, how you think that that's changed over the years? Okay, so it's definitely a man's world, Jackie. When I was working in the office at Scottish Amicable way back when I think it was mainly women in the office, then when my career progressed and I became a broker consultant and ultimately um, running my own business, I was definitely, definitely in the minority. There were very few women in financial services and it used to be a bit of a shock really I think to the men in the room people used to say well um whose secretary are you then and who do you who do you work for and um I didn't punish them Jackie felt like it sometimes <laughs> but um but actually that was because there were so few of us in financial services and it's still only 40 percent mm. of regulated 
individuals are women. It's really low, Jackie. We need more. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I think it has changed a bit, but it's still, we're very much in the minority. And you and I only have to go to um, a financial services event and look around the room and how many grey suits do we see, you yep. know? Yep. It's a yep. generalisation, that, but, but it still is, isn't it? It is, it is. And I think, like you say, things have improved a little, but I think we still have a long way to go because I personally think that women make fantastic financial planners. Oh, we do, um, definitely. We have empathy, we have good listening skills, um, I do a lot of um, work with women who are going through divorce, um, who've uh, had a bereavement, and generally they prefer, not always, but prefer to speak to a female financial planner at that stage. And we're, we're, just, we're just we're just perf perfect for that. And they can see themselves sometimes in you. And I think that's that's really important um, that you're there. So you're right, we do, we have different skills. It doesn't mean to say that a male financial planner would not have those skills, not all do. So we really need to encourage more women into financial services. Yes. And do you think that, have, your, have you ever been in a situation where you've thought, do you know what? maybe this isn't for me because of the the number of suits at a conference or you know <laughs> the way that you've been treated over the years on and off you know what Jackie it's um it's a USP isn't it actually if you're female in our sector you should be shining because there's so few of us there's so few doing it really well um so it differentiates you on a positive note because there's less of us I mean, I love this profession. Uh, I've always loved it. Don't get me wrong. Some days you, you have bad days. It's not always plain sailing. You can't always solve the problems that clients come to you with much as you'd love to. You do what you can. Um, and there's obviously family issues with clients. Most families are dysfunctional. So it's sort of getting them to to speak about money. And um, we've had some real successes with that, which, is, which has been really positive. One of the things I will say about this, profession that we find ourselves in Jackie is that it is completely overregulated a sledgehammer to crack a nut we understand that the regulators focusing on the lowest common denominator so we sort of get dragged into that so th there is there is this regulator obviously we have the FCA I do feel as though they're out of touch um there is a little bit of one rule for one, one rule for another. There are some big companies out there who are very influential, who seem to be able to circumnavigate, um, in my opinion, um, some of the um, regulation and the rules um, for financial services. For me, it needs to be transparent, accessible, and a valuable service. And the regulators should really be there to encourage more people to take advice, to encourage education at a young age so that kids are leaving school knowing what a bank account is and a credit card and all of those sort of things. Um, so th there's much more that the regulator can do. So my sort of frustration, and I'm not on my own, I know that, 
is um, I feel as though we're held back um, because of that, because the percentage of time that's spent, um, you know, um, addressing this and and, um, complying as opposed to being able to um, do a good job and deliver what we do really well is becoming the percentage of that time is 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 uh, is more and more as you know yeah and I, I was gonna actually mention about this not not just the time though is it it's the the financial burden of smaller particularly on smaller financial planning firms having to jump through all these extra hoops yeah. that actually it makes it certainly seems from from my point of view that it, it's it makes you have to push your prices up on your hourly rate or your fixed fees for the advice that you're giving and therefore reducing the pool of access to the public. Yeah, you're right. The percentage of um, turnover, if you like, for the cost of the regulator is higher and higher each year, as is um, PI insurance as well. And the market's tight for that, uh, as you know. Mm. Yes, it's um, what that means is because we were talking about, you know, more women getting into financial services, the access to market to setting up a financial services business from scratch is nigh on impossible because of your capital adequacy, your um, PI, your regulator fees. So that's the sad thing, really, because it's it's just so expensive to set up set up a new yeah. business these days. So that could be the reason why we're seeing less um, less younger people coming through and and, um, and less female financial planners. Yeah, and, um, and more consolidation, I think, of, of smaller financial planning firms obviously having to sell to consolidators yeah. or some of them selling to consolidators in order to retire too. I do think that's a shame as well, Jackie, mm. because there's something yeah. about working with, and our clients say this to us, they'll say, don't get too big, Lou, don't get too big, because we're a boutique size, which means that, you know, we know our clients, we know their families, um, we really do become part of their family in a way. And I think that if you have too many clients, you re- that really becomes untenable. And um, to do proper financial planning, you really need to get to know people properly, not just initially, but on, a, on an ongoing basis as well. And, and I fear that some of the big companies who are target driven and bottom line driven and focused on growth um, at all costs is uh, potentially quite damaging to our profession. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and following on from that, um we know that the, the Chancellor and the government have made some announcements recently um, about reforming of more complex products like uh, Prips and Kids um, and also the VAT chargeable on investment fund management fees. And and also, more latterly, um, the Chancellor, I think, last week came out and said that he wanted everybody to study maths right up to the age of 18. And there was a big ripple that went around LinkedIn <laughs> from the financial planners going, oh, not maths necessarily, but but actually, you know, more, more, more interesting things, more useful tools, like, you know, as you were just saying, learning how to write a check and and actually balance your budget and things like that. So the, there's so much more that the government could do instead of just, you know, funneling everybody down, you know, more education from a strict kind of maths perspective, isn't there? 
Yeah. So, so on those couple of points, Jackie, I think that um, the Chancellor's uh, proposed uh, reforms, I think we're always going to get that in financial services, and some of them are really positive. I think the less um, paper that goes out to a client, like kids, etc., I, th- I think the better, the mm. more transparent we are, the better. People need to know how much they're paying and what they're going to get as a result of it. The transparency isn't there with all firms at the minute, and I think that 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 is that is important. Yeah. Um, and then they can really assess the value in the service, and it's up to the client then. And of course, we need to be commercial. So this is all the consumer duty work that we're doing at the minute, and and making sure that that we're commercial and we're charging a fee that um, represents a good level of service and the client gets good value. So I think that's an ongoing thing. Um, the, the regulation needs to be dynamic and proportionate, um, in my view. With regards to um, you know youngsters and education, uh, my thoughts are maths to 18 is, is just a ridiculous suggestion. Getting into schools early, I'm talking primary school as well as secondary school, learning about how to budget, uh, learning about what saving is, um, what what an interest rate is, mm. and um, you know what your pay slip looks like. I go into the colleges here in Cheltenham and the schools, and I take them um, just before they're going to university because. They have to manage a budget. They've got a student loan to manage and it's yeah. not on the curriculum. They've not been taught. And if they're working and doing a little job, they'll get a pay slip. And what does that look like? And, you know, and if they end up paying tax ultimately, well, you know, what what is that? And they might in a, be in a workplace pension. So just basic things. So when they go out into the real world, which is pretty scary these days, um, they've got, you know, they're armed with it because, in fact, I've just written a blog on this, Jackie, because... Don't we say, if I knew then what I, you know what I know now, I yeah. would have saved an extra X pounds a month? Would yeah. you, Jackie? I know I would. Absolutely, yeah. And you just think, you know, let's let's educate the the youngsters um, now, so that so that they know why that is important. Because when you're young, you never think you're going to get old. No, you, know, you just no. Think, <laughs> think about your future. Yeah. Um, and I think so that's what we need to do. We need to get into schools. It needs to be on the curriculum. That's where the money, the government should be funneling the the, the funds. I know they've not got any money, but if they're ploughing it into kids learning algebra when they're 18, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Unless you're going to do applied maths at a later date, I think it's a waste of time. So, so that's 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 my my view on that, Jackie. And I think, as you know, my husband is a financial planner, and he said to me many years ago that somebody said to him. Every time you get a pay rise, why don't you just pay half of it straight into a pension so you don't even see it? You don't, it, you're not missing it because it was never there. And as each little pay rise has come along that he's got over the years, he's put half of that little pay rise into a pension. Yeah. And and so those kind of principles, you know, they're, they're you know, looking back now, you think, oh, I wish somebody had told me that, you know, 25 no, years ago. we just don't do it. I remember what my, uh, one of my very early managers, um, in fact, my first manager when I got my first job, he took me into the um, into his office, which was the only office with carpet on it, uh, on the floor. And he said, he said, you know, you're going to save £10 a month. You're going to take out a flexi down, what they called them in those days. And you're going to save £10 a month into it. And it made me do it. Wow. I didn't want to. I wanted the £10 a month to spend at the spend. clothes shop. 
uh, but he made me do it. Do you know what? And that's what we're missing. We're lacking that. We're lacking. And the bank managers used to know you as well. Yes. You don't have them anymore. No. Um, I remember when I first had a bank account with Williams and Glynn's. And wow. um, I remember going overdrawn one month and the bank manager called me in. Ooh. And he said to me, um, he took my my card, my check, my bank card off me, and he said, um, he said, um, do you know you're banking with us? We're not banking with you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, and it was just a real learning curve. He was only young. I mean, that's the thing. But you do need people to pull you to one side to to uh, otherwise you'll never learn. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I think actually one of the the newer dynamics I certainly found with my son, he's 14 now, but when he was younger, he, you know, when you used to get a, a payslip with money in back in the day, although probably lots of our listeners can't remember that, um, you know, you could actually see you, it was tangible, the money in front of you that you had to spend. And now nothing's visible. So you get your payslip, but to him, he used to say to me, um, you know, mum, can I have, you know, this pair of trainers or whatever? And I'd say, no, because we're watching our pennies. And he'd be like, well, just go to that hole in the wall over there yeah, and just get I the know. money out. Totally. And totally. I realised... We are where we are. The world's different now. Yeah. See, so. And I realised that he hadn't understood fully what I'd said, that yeah. when I get paid, the money goes into the bank, but actually it's my money that I'm drawing out and it's still a finite amount of money. Yeah, we've got a big responsibility to the next generation because if we don't do it, I fear for, for what's going to happen. I really mm. do. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It, it can get very serious very quickly. And as we're, we're seeing now with more and more students, you know, embarking on university degrees and, you know, the costs are colossal, aren't they? We're going to be like like the States with, you know, tens of thousands of pounds, um, uh, children being in debt or, you know, young adults yeah. being in debt when they finish university. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. And most of them shouldn't probably have been to university. Yes, well. <laughs> That's yes. another subject, Jackie. We'll tackle that another day. But <laughs> we'll do that another day. Apprenticeships, I say. <laughs> yes. So let's look at, you know, if we wanted to try and encourage more women, um, more b female business leaders in the financial planning profession, what could we do to encourage more into the profession and actually to stay in the profession? Yeah, well, we're making a good start with this podcast. Good. So it's uh, it's getting the message out there. It's um, it's education, um, role models. So as I say, I go into schools and they'll see me as a role model. And um, hopefully I can inspire some of the girls at the school to go into financial services. So so that that's, that's a good way we can do that. It's also apprenticeships as well yeah. i mean we've we've got um great processes now in financial services fantastic examinations through csi i know jackie you do a lot of coaching what you do is wonderful to support in that learning process for the um for the for the students of financial services and those wanting to progress of course so it's it's more of that just getting the message out there doing what we do um it's only playing around the edges that but yeah. we need some positive positive outcomes positive stories clients saying this is what happened this is why it was good this is why I'm particularly looking to work with a, a female so it's, it's getting the message out there yeah it was interesting I went into my son's senior school the other day um to they were doing um 
the, I think it was the lower sixth form, were doing presentations about the job that they aspired to do when they left school. And I, they were split up into groups of, of males and females. And I was itching to get in to find out what the, the young guys wanted to do. Because I later found out, although I wasn't allowed, but I later found out that some of them wanted to be Lego designers and all sorts oh. of amazing things. And I was like, wow, you know, how do you find out that there's a job like that going? Um, <laughs> but I, um, I spoke to um, a group of half a dozen young ladies um, about the job that they wanted to do. And I think the teacher was ready to throw me out the window by the end of the session because <laughs> um, one of the young ladies, she said that she wanted to be a financial journalist, um, but that she needed a degree, uh, a master's degree in finance. And so, of course, I sat at the back of the class and said, nope. Uh, no, you don't. Um, <laughs> Um, and actually it's just, you know, your experience and your enthusiasm, um, you know, and that, you know, wanting to get to the truth, but actually learning, you know, the basics of how you're relaying the facts and you'll learn so much on, more on the job than, you know, staying on at university and having a master's degree. Um, so that made me very unpopular to start with. But then what, the other thing that struck me was just how many young women were driven and inspired by their mums and other mums of the girls in that school. And they were, you know, high-powered lawyers and doctors and surgeons, um, as well as in the armed forces. And they were, it was really those with strong female leaders or leadership at home um, that were, you know, really striding forward to, you know, stand tall and say, you know, this is what I want to do with my life. So I think even, you know, for those people out there who have, you know, very determined parents, that actually that can be a, a very supportive thing for children wanting to do better themselves, can't it? Totally. And do something that you love. Do something that you really want to do. Don't don't go into a profession that your parents want you to go into or your friends or your grandparents. It's got to be something that you want to do. I think that I think that's really key. Mm. Um, and it's refreshing to hear that the kids didn't all want to be YouTube stars because that seems to be <laughs> what, what they want to do today and make a quick buck. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's it's it's. Um, it is. It's having those role models, and mm. sometimes, sometimes kids don't listen to their parents, and it's a third party. It might be somebody in the family, but the wider family who yeah. inspires them, who they listen to. Um, sometimes they rebel against their parents, don't they, Jackie? So, yes. Do the um, but, <laughs> but, but a good standard, and also the thing is with many. Um, your relationship with many is formed by viewing your parents at a very young age. So it's important that 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 is um, very early on set and be careful what you discuss in front of children because it might just make them have a, a relationship with money that you don't want them to have. So so that's important. Yes. And I guess that's the important bit about having the early stage financial education in schools, isn't it? That actually they've got a different a different adult talking about different aspects of, you know, money and, you know, potentially what they want to do with their lives. And actually you've got somebody, you know, a different dynamic. So it's not just coming straight from the parents. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm, that's very interesting. Very interesting. So in wrapping up, because we are very nearly out of time, um, although I could talk to you for hours, Louise, <laughs> um, but uh, if 
What would you say to women who were thinking about entering the financial planning profession, but weren't sure, or maybe they think that it's as it was years ago, that it's just all about product sales and targets that they're not comfortable with? Yeah, first of all, it, it, anybody, any women thinking about going into financial services, I would recommend that they go for it. What they need to understand is there's a lot to learn a lot to learn and you don't really learn that quickly there are the exams and there's really good structured exams now i mean they can take you know five six years to get to um a full a fully qualified cfp if you're learning on the job yeah. but also you can learn from very good people well like you and i jackie that have been in the profession for many years and i think you mustn't underestimate the team that you're working with, because by shadowing and listening and learning from from those people who've got the T-shirt, um, you can learn an awful lot. So if you're willing to be that sponge as well as um, get the academic side done, um, it's not easy, um, but it's well worth it. It's a very rewarding profession and, um, and we can make a difference to people's lives um, by doing proper financial planning yeah and that's what it's all about isn't it make it that sense of achievement being able to help other people guide them through to get them where they want to get to go there aren't many jobs and professions in life that you can do that are there no absolutely no well that's all we have time for today louise thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you you're welcome i hope you enjoyed today's podcast it's really interesting, isn't it, to listen to other people's points of view about different things, all relating to our wonderful financial planning profession. If you know anyone who might be interested in listening to any of these podcasts, please pass on our details to them. So that's it from me. Join me again next time when we'll be talking all things Certified Financial Planner related and also dropping in on our new entrance to the financial planning profession. Bye for now.